What's up, everybody? Hope you're doing great and having a wonderful weekend. We're able to celebrate the 4th of July as a country. I want to welcome everybody watching online. So glad you guys are tuning in with us to be able to worship with us. And, you know, this is a great weekend for us to celebrate our nation and independence. But I know there's just, there's just so many interesting things going on, uh, right, with illnesses and, and tension in our nation. And I just want to declare, like, as a pastor, like, I pray blessings over you. I pray blessings over our nation. Uh, but I also just celebrate our independence as a nation that we celebrate from centuries ago. But part of my heart and my desire just as a leader and as a pastor, I pray that we would continue to grow in greater dependence on the Lord. That us as a nation, that we would walk in the fear of God and who he is uh, and just recognizing him and his power and his authority, us needing him and wanting him more than ever before. And because he's the answer, he's the solution. Jesus is the answer for every single problem that we desire as a person, as a, as a couple in marriage, as a family, as a parent, as a nation, as a single person. Jesus is the solution for that. And so today we're going to be continuing in our series in the book of Ephesians. And I just want to tell you uh, straight up, there are going to be mixed responses to the message that I'm about to deliver. Not because it's going to be political or controversial, but some of you are going to love it. Like I'm just telling you, some of you are going to love it. You're going to buy in. You're going to feel challenged. You're going to feel confronted. And others of you, you're not going to love it. Uh, you're not going to like it. You're going to feel uncomfortable. You're going to feel guilty. You're going you're to struggle with it because we fill our lives all the time. We're constantly filling and filling and filling our lives with something, right? Our schedules, uh, just our routines, our thoughts. We're constantly adding things to our life. We're constantly thinking about something. We're constantly wanting to do something. And so what are those things for you in your life? What are you constantly thinking about just, just in your mind and your thoughts and your attitudes? So in Ephesians 4, uh, we're going to be taking a look in there. So we're going to start in Ephesians 4, right around 17. We're going to go all the way through Ephesians 5 through 20 because there's a big chunk of, of Scripture in there that Paul takes a look at. And so I, I titled this message, The Difference. And so here's why. So I am a list guy. Like, I love lists. I don't know if, some, if you love lists or not. Some of you do. Some of you can remember lots of things. I don't remember stuff, uh, so I forget things. So lists keep me straight. Lists keep me organized. Uh, lists, to me, they create reproducible systems so I can do th the same thing that I need. It helps me remember stuff, helps me remember the things that I need to get at the grocery store for my family, right? It's just, so lists help me. And so in Ephesians, starting in the middle of chapter 4, Paul is going to lay out some lists. And so Paul is the Apostle Paul, who is the author of the book of Ephesians. And he wrote an entire letter. He wrote six chapters to a church in Ephesus. And you and I get to read that. We get to read it and understand it. And there's incredible things. So the chunk of scripture we're going to take a look at, there's probably about 20 different things that Paul lists out of things that we shouldn't do. He also lifts out about 20 different things that we should do, right? He's, so you're going to see some stuff. He's, right, he's going to say, hey, you need to be forgiving. You need to have forgiveness in my life. You need to be forgiving towards other people. You need to have love, just experience love and show love towards others. You need to worship God. Uh, so Paul is going to be talking about these different things and, and living a righteous life. But then he's also going to talk about some things that we shouldn't do, right? Where it's like, hey, we shouldn't have bitterness in our life. Because if we're not being forgiving, then we're allowing bitterness and resentment to, to remain in our life. And it becomes like a root inside of us and who we are. And it, and it holds us back and holds us down. We shouldn't have anger. Anger shouldn't dictate the things that we say or the way that we act. We shouldn't have lust, sexual immorality, things like that. So, and, 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 he, and he also talks about how we shouldn't have a hard 
heart against God. So there's a, a bunch of different things in this, in this tight little section of, of Scripture we're going to talk about. And I know that there are some people that say all the time, well, Christianity is just a list. It's just a bunch of do's and don'ts. Yes, yes, there are things that we should do as a result of following after Jesus. Yes, absolutely. There are things that we should not do in our lives, like lying, stealing, cheating. Okay, those are things that we shouldn't do, just, just in general. We understand that. We get that. But I sometimes feel that people will say stuff like that as an excuse, because following Jesus would require them to change their lifestyle, to change the way they go about the decisions that they make. And so unfortunately, though, they are ignoring the fact that they are trapped by that lifestyle, by those decisions, by those choices. We, in fact, are trapping ourselves. And Jesus is the only one that gives us the true freedom that we long for and desire. And so the first point I want to share with you in this passage of Scripture is, that, is the change. So when we talk about the difference, there's absolutely got to be a change. So in starting in verse 21 in chapter 4, it says, Since you have heard about Jesus and, and learned the truth that comes from him, throw off your old sinful nature in your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let your spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. And so the Holy Spirit is what renews our thoughts and, and our attitudes. And so what happens is when that takes place, it, it, we're bringing them under the lordship of Jesus and acknowledging who he is and his teachings and, and his authority. So let's just start with the aspect of our thoughts, like the things that we think about. And I'm not talking about being logical or analytical because that's tied to our personality. Right? That's the way that God makes us. But I, I want to talk about the sinful thoughts, the things that we constantly are contemplating and think about it, uh, and, and, and how, how we allow this to, to remain in our life. For example, I've met people that unfortunately they constantly lie. Like everything, you just aren't really sure if they're telling the truth or not. And, and, and so we just we recognize that. And we, so we have to be careful what we're thinking and, and, and our actions and, and how we go about that. So also with our thoughts, sometimes we see images. And those images kind of get burned in our mind and, and they remain in our thoughts. And we can bring them up and we remember them. And so... We need to ask forgiveness for those things that we've allowed our eyes to see, allowed our minds to begin to think, and not participate in those things that cause those thoughts any longer. And so we just need to bring about those changes, right? We begin to retrain our thought life. I'll give you just some examples from, from my life, and, and many of you probably will relate. There have been movies that I've seen where you see images and things, and you go, oh, you know, it's just, it's, we can bring it back in our thought life just almost at an instant. Just those pictures and stuff, just, just, it, it, it's kind of burned in our brain. And, and one of the, the reason I talk a little bit about the, the lying aspect of thoughts and how we, sometimes we think we have to lie is because I went through a period of time in my life where I was constantly embellishing. And that's my nice way of saying that I was lying. You know, I was lying to make myself look better to other people, constantly embellishing, making the, making the fish seem bigger, making the story seem more grandiose, right? Just, just constantly in my life. And so that's just why I share one of those examples. So in our thought life, to make the change, what we do is we remove 
then we replace and we remain. So we remove those thoughts, those, that way of thinking. We replace it with things that are godly, right, and true. And we remain in a place where we're constantly close with Jesus. So that begins to be the place where our thoughts come from. And then it, Paul talks about attitudes. Attitudes are so important, aren't they? When you meet somebody that has a good attitude, if you work with somebody that has a good attitude, that's refreshing. That's a lot of fun. And so let me ask you, are you that person? We enjoy being around that, those type of people. Are you that person as well? Uh, because we have certain feelings in certain situations towards certain people. That's our attitude, right? So, so let me ask you just some, some different things that affect our attitude. What happens when you experience rejection? Maybe you want to go somewhere, be with somebody, and they're like, nah, not, not, don't really want to hang out with you, and you, you, you feel rejected. What, what, what happens in your attitude? What, what comes out? What, what do you experience? Maybe you experience failure. Every single one of us, we experience failures in our life all the time. Sometimes it's more, <laughs> there's more seasons of failure than not. But what happens when you feel like you're failing? What attitude is reflected in your life? Maybe you're experiencing lots of disappointments from the people that are around you. You're hoping and desiring, longing, believing for, for, for different things. And all of a sudden you feel like you've lost hope from constant disappointment and being let down. Our attitude is reflected in that, isn't it? What's your attitude towards authority? Your boss, leaders, other people in the community, those that are in authority over us. What's your attitude? Is it a constant state of rebellion and pushing against them? So let me hit another great spot, if you haven't enjoyed this already. How about money? What's your attitude towards money? When we talk about giving and giving back to God and, and being generous towards other people, like what's your attitude towards that? Do you go, oh, see, there it is. The church is after my money again. Or do you feel excited about that? So when we take on the mind of Christ, our thoughts become like his thoughts. I mean, think about that concept. That's so deep and so amazing. Literally, Scripture says our thoughts can become like Christ's thoughts. And that we would have the same attitude as Jesus had, where we could be life-giving to every single person around us, where we could be confronting to those who are showing injustice, where we could be hopeful and encouraging and blessing towards every single person. Because when we have the, that, those types of thoughts, we have those types of attitudes, that's reflected in our life, isn't it? Like, I, I feel like I would be more joyful I feel like I would just be just full of joy, full of life, full of encouragement. I would feel better because all of those negative thoughts and emotions, they would begin to dissipate and be pushed aside and pushed away, and they would be replaced with positive ones and encouraging ones. And that's more fun, isn't it? Like it's more fun to be encouraged than discouraged. It absolutely is. And so here's what I want to challenge you with. You are in control of your attitude. No one Nobody can force you to have a bad attitude. And so have a good one, regardless of your circumstance, regardless of what's going on, because sometimes our attitude can determine the outcome with the situation that we're in. And so we think, though, that because we have it rough, like I've got it so bad, you don't know my story, I've been through hard times, we think that that gives us the right to be discouraged and constantly downplay situations or constantly you know, allow dis discouragement to grab a hold of our lives, to be critical 
to every person, to be cynical in every situation because we've had it so hard. And so faith is believing that something good is going to happen, that God is, is involved, that he's doing something incredible. And so we can have hope that God's going to turn our situation around. I mean, having faith and hope and encouragement. And so this is beyond feeling. This is believing. This is beyond the emotions that we're experiencing in that moment. This is believing that God is who he says he is. And it continues. Let's, let's look. Ephesians 5, starting in verse 1. It says, imitate God, therefore, in everything you do, because you are his dear children. Live a life filled with love, following the example of Christ. He loved us and offered himself as a sacrifice for us, a pleasing aroma to God. And so, imitators of God, right? We know what it's like to imitate somebody. It's to act like them, to look like them, to, 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 to see what they do and how they do it. And then we take that on. We do it as well. We do that all the time in our lives. I mean, some of us, probably all of us, if we were willing to admit it, we have some of the same mannerisms as our parents. Isn't that so true? And they come out around Christmas time, around Thanksgiving, holidays when we're, we're with our family. All of a sudden, your, your older sister goes, oh, that's just like dad. Oh, they laugh and chuckle and they go, oh, mom says that all the time. And you're like, either you get upset, you're like, oh, or you're, you go, my mom's amazing. Like, I'm so glad. Or, so we understand what it is to imitate, don't we? I mean, we look like our parents. We, we, we have the same type of mannerisms. And so here, Paul is talking about us being imitators of God. So think about that concept. What if we took on the same mannerisms as our Father in heaven? What if we took on the same phrases that Jesus often spoke to other people? Because when we understand who we truly are, that we are made in God's image, that he's our heavenly dad, then maybe, just maybe, we look like him too. So if we look like him a little bit, don't you think we can act like him as well? Be an imitator of Christ. I mean, I hope, this, I hope you're getting this. I hope you can understand the magnitude of what Paul is teaching. I mean, following the examples of Christ. And so let me ask you, as you, as you read scripture, as you know Jesus at, at, at where you are right now, tell me some of the character traits that you would use to describe Jesus that you like. That you're like, wow, Jesus, would, would, he would do this. He would handle this, this situation. What are those things that, that you see in Jesus that you desire in your own life? I'll share with you some of mine as you think of yours. One of the ones that I absolutely love is Jesus' strength. So often people go, oh, you know, Jesus was, was soft, you know, and just, just like a pushover. That, that is so untrue. Somebody who says that, they don't know Jesus for who he really is. They haven't read the Gospels and, and, and how Jesus would stand up to people all the time. You know, just, and so I, just, I see Jesus' strength. Not only physical strength, but mental strength, spiritual strength, emotional strength. Just his willingness to be a man and stand up and lead takes strength. And I see how strong he is. But then on another character trait that I love is how compassionate Jesus is. Not soft in a weak type way, but compassionate to those that are hurting, to those that are desperate, 
to those that have been marginalized and ostracized and pushed aside. Like Jesus had incredible empathy towards people that were hurting. It just is amazing for us to read time and time again. And I love how he was just. He absolutely was just and, and he was truthful and he was powerful. He was full of the Holy Spirit. Powerful. I mean, gosh, then you get into his miracles and signs and wonders and raising the dead. I mean, the power and strength is phenomenal when you look at him. And the, thing that I, the reason I share those is because those same attributes are inside of you and I when we take Christ on. And it's not us that we create them, but it literally is the power of the Holy Spirit. And so when I think of all those, those are amazing. One of the greatest to me is also the aspect where Jesus was willing to sacrifice himself. So many times in our lives we get selfish, we get self-motivated, we get self-absorbed. But Jesus' willingness to sacrifice himself, even to the point of death. I mean, think about the magnitude of that. We benefit from that. We benefit greatly, right? We, we have the forgiveness of our sins. We experience salvation. We get this incredible connection to the Father as a result of Jesus laying his life down. And so that's the change that we can have. And so that's the first part of the difference is the change. Here's the second part. It's the light. And Paul talks about this in Ephesians 5. Let's jump down to verse 8. It says, For once you were full of darkness... But now you have light from the Lord. So live as people of light. For this is the light you will produce. For this is the light within you produces only what is good and true and right. So this light is directly connected to our relationship with Jesus. Because of him in our life, we have light. And so when we have Jesus, we have light. When we don't have Jesus, we don't have light. Okay, it, it's that simple. And so people will argue, oh, but I'm a good person. Like, I care about people. I do a lot of good things. That's great. But we cannot pay for our own sins. It's impossible. That's not the way that we were designed. That's not our purpose. And so we cannot find a way to justify ourselves before a perfect, holy, heavenly Father. He is righteous in every single way. We can't, we can't attain that connection with him without a sacrifice, because God himself is light. So we need Jesus to have this in our life. And this is not a new concept, right? This is not new. You've maybe heard this before, but this is one that we can literally see in our actions, how we go about our life, right? And, 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 and is it coming out? Are we shining light? Are we exuding the light of Christ in our life? But so then with that, that we have this, this amazing opportunity to do that, then the opposite is also true, where we can also be the blockers of his light. Where It's easy for us to say, yeah, I've got Jesus, I believe in him. But then there are areas in your life, areas in your heart, in your attitude, thoughts, in your spiritual life, that we are blocking the light from coming out. And so this can be caused from secret sin, a habitual sin that we find in our life, things that we do that, that we'd be ashamed if anybody found out. And it's in there, and it's hidden, and it's, so that's blocking the light from coming out in our life. If there's a level of corruption or evil that we experience, and all of us battle against this, our sinful nature and the evil and, and the evil thoughts and actions and, and towards other people, right? I mean, we battle this all the time. But if we allow that to be how we're driven, then the light continues to become darker and dimmer. 
And Paul begins to talk about this in our lives. In verse 18, he says, hey, don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves and making music to the Lord in your hearts. And so the ability to cope with life doesn't come from alcohol. It comes from the Holy Spirit. And often this verse is used to, to tell people, oh, you shouldn't get drunk, right? And, 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 but being drunk with alcohol and being filled with the Spirit are on completely opposite sides of the spectrum, aren't they? Because when you look at Acts chapter 2 with the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, it's it said that, that the people that were there, like the Holy Spirit comes. I mean, God's manifest presence is poured on them. Just, it's, it's, it's incredible, overwhelming. So the onlookers were saying, it appears as though they're drunk, but it probably was impossible to stand in the manifest presence of God when the outpouring of the Spirit takes place. I mean, you and I in our lives, we've felt God before, and it, it's amazing. Like, I, I call it like overwhelming feelings of love where I feel God's presence, and it's, he speaks to my mind, my attitude, my heart. Maybe you've experienced that before where it's just it's noticeable. And so to be able to operate and function under the full outpouring of the Holy Spirit, because Jesus' ascension had happened and now the Holy Spirit comes, that's what Pentecost is, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, 50 days after Jesus rose from the dead. We needed that. We needed that. And so what if the reason that these are linked together in this verse is because when drunk people, when people are drunk, what they'll do is they'll say things, they'll do things, and they'll go to places that they normally wouldn't go unless they were intoxicated. And when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, won't we say things and do things and go to places that we normally wouldn't go? Because now we're under the authority and the direction of God's mighty power and strength through His Spirit. Now... Right? I don't want you to be drunk. I don't want you to act that way because that displeases God. But I do want to ignite something that's inside of you that's like unlit dynamite. And that's what the Holy Spirit is. It's in there maybe lying dormant, and I want to be the one that strikes the match that's inside of you. Because this is where we get number three. When we're talking about the difference, it's the power to make it stick. Because we've experienced change in our life. Right? We've experienced positive change, we've experienced negative change. We have the light of Christ inside of us. And so now, Paul says, be filled with the Spirit. That's the difference maker. That's what's unique and, and so significant in our life. And so what does this mean? Right? When, when I say be filled with the Spirit, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, what does that look like? So we, we understand we didn't earn our salvation. It's only because of Jesus, His death, God's grace. And... On top of that, we are not asked to live life on our own. God doesn't expect us to just take Jesus on and then, hey, good luck. Go for it. You can do this. No. He gives us the Holy Spirit because we can't do it in and of our own strength and own ability. In Zechariah 4.6, it says, it's not by force nor by strength, but by my spirit, says the Lord. And so the Bible explains being filled with the Holy Spirit 
it's like taking a breath of fresh air. You know what I'm talking about? Sometimes maybe you, you're underwater a little long, whether in the ocean swept under by a wave or in a lake or in a pool. Maybe, you, maybe it was a terrible situation where your older brother held you underwater too long in the pool and, and you still resent him for it and hopefully you'll find forgiveness, but I get it, the whole bully thing. And, and he's holding you under it and, and you come up. <gasps> it's like that, that oxygen in your lungs is worth gold, isn't it? You needed it. You're so desperate for it. That's what the Holy Spirit is single moment of every single day where we breathe in. Go ahead and do it. Like, take that breath in. Like, you can feel God filling our lungs and who we are. That's the Holy Spirit giving us that life. The Holy Spirit is like wind in our sails. If you, if you like to, to go out boating or go on a, have you been on a sailboat before? Going on a sailboat with no wind is no fun. You go nowhere. You just sit there and you just get hot. But can you imagine like if, if, you've, if you've never been on a boat before, you have like when there's a nice cool ocean breeze and it's blowing and the sail is full and like you can just see it and you feel it, like that's refreshing. You're going somewhere. That's the Holy Spirit filling our sails. And so God wants us to live a spirit-empowered life because our job is tough. He knows our job is tough. To live this life, to fight against temptation is hard. It's challenging to tell others about Jesus, right? When, when we know that they might, might, might not be willing to hear or listen to us, to share our story of how our life has changed, to shine that light is hard, it's challenging. But the Holy Spirit is here. He can be inside of us to bring the comfort that we long for, the counsel, the wisdom that we need, the conviction in the areas of our life that need to change, the secret sin that we're experiencing. But then the purpose of the whole difference is the power. The Holy Spirit is where the power comes from. And so the next step for you to experience this difference that I'm talking about is an added level of the Holy Spirit to be filled with the Holy Spirit, to experience the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And this isn't foreign or weird. It's all throughout Scripture. And, and so, right, we have God the Father, God the Son, and Jesus ascended into heaven, and then he gives us the Holy Spirit so that we can live our lives, be filled with the Spirit of God, where he breathes inside of us, fills our lungs. And so I want to pray that you would have that. So if right now in your life you feel like you're on stagnant water and you're, the sails have no water, they're just laying limp, and you feel like that's a description of your life right now and you're just struggling, I'm here to tell you, you can experience the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the, the fullness of, of God's presence in your life. And all of a sudden, he'll breathe into you and he gives you the power that you long for and desire, the breakthrough that we need. And so here's something that we've got to understand. God is the one that gives us the power. It's not, you and I can't manufacture this. But then as a result of him giving us this incredible power, lighting that dynamite inside of us, he wants the glory. Okay? He, he wants to be acknowledged that it's from him. You and I can't do it. And so he loves it when we say, God, I can't do this without you. All of a sudden, I just feel like as a, as a parent, you know, when my, my, when my children come and they say, I can't do it, I need your help, I'm there right? Because I, I, I try and be a good dad. I try and help them. I try and encourage them. Sometimes I might say, hey, I know that you can. I see it inside of you, right? And other times I go, I, I am right there with you. 
And so God gets the glory, and then along with him getting the glory, he just wants our worship. So many people, we get so bound up in thinking we've got to be perfect and live this incredible life. And, and I, we need to imitate Christ, no doubt. I just preached a whole message on it, right, the whole difference. But I think we put so much pressure on ourselves. God just wants our worship. He wants us to worship him in everything we do, just acknowledge him constantly. What, what if we allowed our thoughts and attitudes and actions and our mannerisms to reflect that of Christ? God gets the glory and the worship from that. And so I want to pray right now for every single one of us that we would be able to receive this. And so if you're in a place right now where you want the Holy Spirit, I mean, it's just simply asking and where God pours out on us. There, there's no pixie dust. There's no, nothing magic about this. It literally is our connection with God. And you can have that right now here in the auditorium and you can have it right at home, where, wherever it is that you're watching this video connecting online and so pray with me god knows our desperation he sees our attitude he knows our thoughts and so let's go before him and so god we want to first acknowledge that you are powerful you're amazing you're strong you're our father you're our dad and we love you we love you so much we need you we desire you we long for you and god would you come in our life and change us jesus we we need you to be our savior I commit to follow after you. Jesus, thank you so much for paying the price so that we could have forgiveness of our sins and cleansing. Would you come and change us in who we are? And Lord, with all that, those two things are incredible and amazing. And that gets us access to you, gets us cleansing, forgiveness. It, gets us, it grants us uh, the ability to make it to heaven one day when our life ends. But God, we are fully aware that there is more to it and you have so much more for us and the only way we can have that is through your Holy Spirit. So God, would you be so generous as you see us in our humanness, as you see our situation, our desperation, would you be so generous to pour out your Spirit on us right now? Lord, that we would breathe you in, that we would experience your overwhelming feelings of love. We know your presence is real. Lord, it talks about in your word how your manifest presence falls at different times. And so, Lord, would you fall on us that we would be overwhelmed with you like never before, that your spirit would sweep through like a mighty rushing wind, filling our sails, filling our life, because we can't do this on our own. Lord, give us the power that we long for and desire that you would get the Lord, outpouring of your Holy Spirit in our lives. Dads, moms, grandparents, kids, teenagers, college students, the fullness of your Spirit, that our lives might make a difference for you and that 